Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Roberts, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. This ministry was designed to help you get well in every area of your life. 3 John 2 tells us that it's God's will for you to be well spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, in every area of your life. And I'm praying today that something that is said on this program will be a great blessing in your life and help you to receive the healing and deliverance that you need from God in every area of your life. My very special guest today is my longtime friend and tremendous evangelist and minister to the nations of the earth, Jerry Savelle. Jerry, God bless you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. It's a joy to be with you. Always enjoy being in your presence. You bring me a lot of joy. I feel the same <laughs> about you. Jerry, we've been friends for many, many years, and I love to hear you tell the story about how you came to the Lord because you were not a Christian in any area of your life. Uh, you were uh, doing a lot of different things. Can you share a little bit of that story? Because there's just no way for you to get from where you were to where you are now. Yeah, well, it all began in 1957. Uh, I was in Oklahoma City in my grandmother's home, uh, Thanksgiving Day, and somebody turned on her old Philco television set, and the first image that came on was your father preaching under the big tent and preaching one of his most famous tenth sermons called The Fourth Man. Yes. And uh, I'd never heard of Oral Roberts at that time. I didn't know anything about him. Uh, I grew up in a little country Baptist church in Shreveport, Louisiana. So we didn't know anything about Oral Roberts. We thought the only evangelist that was still alive was Billy Graham. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I was standing there in the living room watching your father preach, and I heard on the inside of me. At first, I didn't know it was on the inside. I thought it was one of my cousins talking to me. And I heard, someday you'll preach like this. Someday you'll pray for people like this. And when I turned to look at my cousin Joe on my right side, he was gone. He had walked away, and I didn't realize it. So I turned to my left and looked at my cousin Donnie, and he was gone. And I thought, who said that? And I realized that it must have been the voice of God, but uh, at that time in my life, I had no intentions of preaching. My dream was to be in the automotive business, uh, follow after my father's footsteps. He raced automobiles. He restored uh, classic automobiles. He built hot rods. That's what I dreamed of doing. And so I decided I am not going to tell a soul about this experience. And I thought in my mind, if I don't tell anybody, then I won't have to do it. God will realize he made a mistake and he'll find somebody else that really wants to do that. And I managed to suppress that for many, many years <laughs> until 1969. Carol and I had been married for about three years, and she knew I was called to preach, but I had never voiced it to her. She just knew it uh, actually before we married. Well, didn't she and, actually, uh, didn't you all actually meet when you moved uh, down on the same street as she lived same when you year. were even younger? Yeah, same year. This was... Uh, the same year, 1957, the month of November, just before Thanksgiving, and uh, her family already lived on that street. My family moved there, and uh, just a few days later, I met Carolyn, and she was uh, uh, two years younger than me, and so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't sparks flying immediately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was just the girl down the street, but I was in my second year of college, and I came home one weekend to visit my parents and, and to visit some of the guys that I graduated from high school with. And I ran into Carolyn. And now she's a senior in high school. And I thought, this little girl down the street has changed. 
And uh, so I'm now attracted to her and we started dating. And in just a matter of a few months, I asked her to marry me. And but you, uh, you weren't a Christian, though, were you? Well, I had had experiences with the Lord, but I never really made Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I grew up in a little Baptist church, you know, and I, I, I've always believed from as far back as I can remember that Jesus was the son of God. He died. Mm-hmm. He was raised from the dead and he was coming back. But, you know, you can believe all that and never actually make him the Lord of your life. So I hadn't I, I hadn't taken that step. But uh, Carolyn and I married in uh, July of 1966. But it was not until uh, February of 1969 that I surrendered my life to the Lord and uh, uh, shut my business down. I was doing exactly what I dreamed of doing. My dad and I are building race cars. I'm restoring classic automobiles and hauling race cars all over the southern part of the United States. But uh, I couldn't run from God anymore. I knew I was living my dream, but I wasn't living his dream for my life. And uh, I finally surrendered my life to the Lord in 1969. And one of the first things that happened shortly after that was your dad had that primetime television special. Oh, yes. And I started watching your dad. I was on it. (laughs) Yeah, you were on it. You were the world action singers. And uh, and I never dreamed that I'd I'd meet either one of you at that time. But uh, uh, because I heard the call watching Oral Roberts, I was I was attracted to his ministry and I started watching the broadcast. And one day he made this announcement. He said, I've just written a new book entitled The Miracle of Seed Faith. And if you'll write to me and ask for it, I'll send it to you free. I told Carol, here's one we can afford. Get the address and get that book. And as soon as it arrived in my home, I devoured it. I learned from that day how to make God my source. And I I learned uh, the principles of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. And it absolutely changed my life. I've been living by it all these years. And I thank God for that great revelation. Had you already left the automotive business by that time? Or were you just coming out of that business? No, I, I I was still in it. I was endeavoring to get out of it. And it took me a few months to shut everything down, you know. Uh, but, uh, from February to about, uh, I guess almost November, it took me to get out of the business, shut everything down. And then, uh, uh, the Lord instructed me to now spend the next three months in your guest bedroom. And he said, you give me the same dedication you gave to that business. Mm-hmm. Give me no less than eight hours a day studying my word. And in three months, I'll make a preacher out of you. That's exactly what I did. And at the end of three months, I came out of that bedroom with the fire of God in my eyes, the power of God in my hands, the word of God in my heart, and only one problem. Wasn't a soul wanted to hear a word I had to say. <laughs> and well, is, I that, thought, well, God, is, is that a point in your life when you, you began to hear about or got to know Kenneth Copeland? Well, yes, he had come uh, in February of 69. That's the reason why I surrendered my life to the Lord after hearing him preach. Now, I didn't go to the the altar in the church. I came mm-hmm. back home after the service. Yes. I couldn't sleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I got up and I went into my living room. I said, God, I don't know why you still want me. I've been running from you all my life. But if you do, here I am. I surrender. And I was immediately, uh, I received my salvation. I made Jesus Lord. I was immediately baptized in the Holy Ghost, began to speak in other tongues, surrendered my life to full-time ministry. 
and and uh, that that's when it all began. Now at that time, I didn't know that Kenneth Copeland had worked for your father. It was later that I found that out, and uh, uh, in fact, uh, he came back to Shreveport about six months later yes. to do another series of meetings, and that's when I actually met him. And well, uh, he told stories about things that he had learned while working with your father. He was well, co-pilot on the airplane. Yes, he and, and I, uh, he and I, and you, you and he have had a tremendous uh, relationship over the, over yeah. the over the years. It was actually Kenneth that prophesied to my father over me that I would yes. come home. I would give up the dream that I had, which was of being a, a nightclub entertainer. I would come yeah. home and surrender my life and enter the ministry as well. So we have sort of a similar story in some ways, we Jerry. Do. We do. We both had to give up our own dreams in order to live God's dream. You know? Well, and, the, and, and, the, uh, and God's dream is a lot better. <laughs> that's right. His dream is a whole lot better. And uh, in that second meeting, uh, I got to visit with Brother Copeland a little bit. And uh, one night coming to the service, he called me out of the audience. And I was really surprised he remembered my name. He, he said, Jerry, stand up. I stood up, not having a clue what he was about to do. And he said, the Lord showed me in prayer today that you and I will be a team, and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together preaching the Word of God around the world, and it'd be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing for the team to begin. What did you think and when then, you heard that? <laughs> well, when I first heard it, I really didn't understand it. I was so new in the Lord. I didn't, I didn't know what word of knowledge was or word of wisdom or anything. I hadn't, I hadn't read any of that in the word yet, you know? And uh, so I had to turn to my wife and I said, what did all that mean? She said, I think we're moving to Fort Worth, Texas. I said, why? <laughs> I said, why would we want to do that? She said, he said, you're going to be a team. And so it was about maybe uh, five months later that I actually moved to Fort Worth. And, and of course, Brother Copeland at that time, his ministry was in an infant stage. Uh, he had his dad working with him. Gloria traveled with him. He had a secretary, a bookkeeper, and Jerry Savell. Mm -hmm. And I, I was the team. I traveled with him everywhere. And back in those early days, we didn't go anywhere for one night. It was always three weeks. Brother Copeland used to say, it takes a week to break through all the unbelief. It takes another week to get him to hear what I got to say. And the third week, you have a move of God. And so I'm in every service for three weeks, three services a day. That was my Bible school. That was mm -hmm. my seminary. And uh, I, I learned the life of faith. I learned uh, about my covenant with God. I learned the authority of the believer. Uh, I, I, can, I could go on and on of all the things that I learned from Brother Copeland. And, of course, he made reference to your dad all the time about things he'd learned from him. And he made reference to the things he'd learned from Kenneth Hagin. So uh, immediately, I began to get resources from Kenneth Hagin's ministry and study that. And uh, your, all your dad's books that I could get my hands on. So uh, Kenneth Copeland, first of all, and then Kenneth Hagin and then Oral Roberts became my mentors. Mm -hmm. Now, I knew Kenneth Copeland, but I never met Oral Roberts. I never met Kenneth Hagin. That came later. But uh, it's a funny story how I got to meet your dad. Well, I want, uh, to get, I want to get to that, but I want, I want you to tell a little bit of the story about how you and Kenneth began to travel and then how God launched you into your own ministry. Yeah. Well, I traveled for, with him for three years, almost three years. And uh, 
we're coming up to uh, getting close to 1974. Now, I've been with him since 1971 and uh, traveled everywhere with him. And uh, in October of 73, uh, some people asked me to come to Hot Springs, Arkansas and do a mm-hmm. meeting for him, a youth meeting. And uh, so I went there. And one day I was out praying and the Lord said, it's now time for you to launch out into your ministry. And I said, Lord, I don't, I've never even considered me launching out into my ministry. I'm happy working with Kenneth Copeland. I'm happy serving him. And I said, and if that ever happens, then you're going to have to tell him about it before I ever leave. And uh, so that was October. When I left Hot Mm. Springs, I was supposed to join Brother Copeland in Long Beach, California for a meeting. By this time, I'm now teaching his morning services. Okay. Yes. And so uh, everywhere we went, I did the morning services. He did the afternoon and the evening. So I'm supposed to join him in Long Beach. We got through with that meeting. And at that time, he was flying a little uh, Cessna uh, 421. And on our way home, I'm setting up in the cockpit with him. And uh, after he got his cruising altitude, he turned to me and he said, when are you leaving? I didn't. It caught me off guard. I said, I'm not. I'm going all the way home with you. He said, no, I'm not talking about getting out of the airplane. I'm talking about <laughs> when are you leaving? And not at altitude. And, you were going to jump out of yeah, the plane. Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, well, Brother Copeland, the Lord spoke to me last week about it was time for me to launch out into my own ministry. And he said, well, I knew it's, I knew it was coming. I didn't want it to happen, but I'm not going to hold you back. Mm-hmm. And I said, now, I'm going to work for you for the remainder of this year. December the 31st will be my last day to work for you as a full-time employee. January the 1st, 1974, I'm launching out into my own ministry. And then I told him this, and I said, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. Number one, don't pay me anymore. He said, why would you not want me to pay you? I said, well, starting January, I won't have a check from Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association to depend on. So I might as well learn how to trust God now. Learn by faith in now. advance. Yeah. So when I launch out, I'll already know how to do it. And then I said, and number two, I don't want you to call anybody and tell them that uh, you're calling in my behalf and asking them to invite me to preach. I said, I don't want you to do that. I said, I learned a scripture before I ever came to work for you. And I said, and I believe it's part of the reason why I've had this privilege of working with you. I said, in the book of Proverbs, it says that uh, a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. And I said, I don't want to spend the rest of my life thinking that if it hadn't been for Kenneth Copeland, Mm -hmm. Jerry Savelle never would have been invited anywhere. You really were using your faith. I was, I was. And, uh, And he was really amazed at it. He said, I've never heard anything like this, but I know you've heard from God. And so I'm going to honor what you've asked me to do. And so the month of December, particularly, now I'm not receiving a check from him, but I traveled with him. I said, I'm going to give you 100% dedication, just like I've always done. The month of December, God brought finances into my life and into my ministry. I brought in more in one month than I had made in two years working for Brother Copeland. My goodness. That's how I launched this ministry. Not only that, but a man that I knew, had uh, he was ready to retire. He had office space. 
He had equipment. He called me and he said, I've got one year's lease left on this facility. And if you will take it over, I'll give you everything in it. So I moved out of Brother Copeland's ministry into my own offices, fully equipped, desks, typewriters, copy machines, everything. He left his pens and pencils and pencil sharpeners, everything. (laughs) And, uh, And not only that. Brother Copeland, uh, back in those days, we were doing cassette tapes. Yes. And he gave me his cassette duplicator and some uh, recorders and so forth. And so when I, when I launched out January the 1st, 1974, I went into an office fully equipped. I had money in the bank. And then the first week, I got a call from a man down in Georgia. And he said, I hear you're in your own ministry now. I said, I am. He said, could you come to Georgia and preach? I said, I don't have to check my schedule. I'm wide open. (laughs) And and he said, uh, and also when you come to Augusta, Georgia, would you mind if I set up meetings for you in all over Georgia, all over South Carolina, all over North Carolina? Richard, I was booked for three months just from that one contact. (laughs) And everywhere I went, somebody would say, can you come here? Can you come here? I was booked for the rest of the year. And I haven't slowed down since. <laughs> Jerry, that's been a that's been a hallmark of your ministry ever since I've known you, of you laying out fleeces like that before the Lord. That Lord, I'm willing to do this, and here's how here's how I'm I'm expecting you to move. You you first yeah. of all said I don't want any any more paychecks. I don't want yeah. you to make calls for me. I don't want you to try to set up anything because I really want to know that it's God calling me. Yeah, that's right. So that I can obey God the way He's shown me. Now that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, that was important to me. Now, you know, uh, and and I think it's interesting, too, and I, I, I certainly don't want to overlook this main point. Even though I don't work for Kenneth Copeland full-time anymore, haven't since 19, at the end of 73, what God said there in the beginning when he called me out and said God showed me we'd be a team, we'd spend the rest of our lives together, that is exactly what we have done. And he and I have been preaching together now almost 52 years, yeah. and we're still a team. Isn't that well, amazing? Yeah, I think I, that's I praise God for that. The goodness of uh, God. I I got to know you. I got to know you much later, much later uh, in the in the late 70s is when I first uh, began yeah. to know about you, and I got to know you, and you you got to know my dad in a most unusual way. Can you share that story? Because it was yes. most unlikely how it happened. It was. Uh, Brother Copeland was doing these believers conventions in uh, Anaheim, California, in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And at that time, he was doing one in Charlotte, North Carolina. He called it the East Coast Believers Convention. And, of course, I preached in every one of them. And he'd have other people like Charles Capps or Norval Hayes or Hilton Sutton from time to time. And uh, so we're in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I, I, I preach every day. And then... Uh, on Saturday, uh, Brother Copeland would have, and Gloria would have healing school, and then on Saturday night, Brother Copeland would close it out. Well, we're in Saturday night now, and so uh, we're sitting out on the front row, Carolyn and I, next to Gloria and, and the other guest speakers. Brother Copeland walks up to the platform, and uh, he sang a couple of songs, and then he said, as he usually does, let's open our Bibles. And he didn't tell us where he opened his Bible, had it on the podium, and he never told us where. So we're all waiting 
where do we open our Bibles? And he just hesitated. And he tried to do it again. He said, let's open our Bibles. And then he just looked down at his. And finally, he closed his Bible. And he said, Jerry, God wants you to close this message out tonight. Get on up here. Well, I had preached everything I had planned to preach. <laughs> you know, had, had you preached everything a, you knew? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have a clue what I was going to preach. And, uh, but I had learned, he did that to me a few other times. Mm -hmm. I had learned to be instant in season and out, but I didn't know what I was going to preach. Yeah, that sounds and like so another man I knew, that I, I, I knew. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who used to do and that so to I me? Knew not to, I knew not to say to Brother Copeland, uh, I'm sorry, sir, I don't have anything. No, I, that wouldn't work. And so I walked up to the podium, and he, he set a chair less than four feet away from me. And, you know, with those piercing eyes, looked at me as I passed him by to go to the podium. And he said, God's going to use you tonight. Give us what he wants you to say. And I thought, boy, I wish I knew what he wants me to say, you know. And when I laid my Bible on the podium, it just fell open to mm -hmm. the book of Daniel. All of a sudden, Richard, I heard coming out of me the sermon that I heard your dad preach in 1957 on the fourth man. Yes. I didn't even know that I knew all that. And you remember, and you preached it before, he showed the fourth man in every book of the Bible. Yes. From, from Genesis, Genesis to, Revelation. to Revelation. I heard me saying it just like your dad did. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is, neighbor. And and I went through it all. I'm telling you, Richard, the anointing God hit that place. People getting out of wheelchairs. We had miracles. It was amazing. Brother Goblin jumped up after I got through and he said to his daughter, Terry, who was his TV producer back then, he said, Terry, I don't know what you got scheduled for my television broadcast. Back then he was just on weekly. But he said, you get this message Jerry just preached on as quick as you can. Well, it came out in just a, a few short weeks. Little did I know your mother and daddy were sitting in their home watching it. And I'm preaching the fourth man. Yes. That was on a Sunday. On Monday. I get a call from Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association, <laughs> Ruth Rooks, because I didn't know anybody there back then. And Ruth Rooks says to me, uh, Brother Roberts saw you preach a sermon yesterday, and he wants you in his office this morning. Did you Can think I you tell were him? in trouble? <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were going to sue me. That's really what I thought. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know your dad. And she said, he wants you in his office this morning. Can I tell him to expect you? I thought, well, who tells old Roberts no? You know, so I jumped in my plane and flew to Tulsa. Didn't have a clue where to go. And, and I, I finally asked a student, do you have any idea uh, where old Roberts' office is? And they were a little bit shy about telling me. That was taboo, you know. They didn't get to go up there. I said, well, I've been invited. Can you tell me where his office is? So they told me, and when uh, I got up there, uh, it was Ruth Rooks that I met first, and she let your dad know that I was in her office. He opened the doors and came out and stretched his arms out like this, and it looked like they went from one room to the other, you know, and he was a lot bigger than I, taller than I thought he yes. was. And he said this, come here, my brother. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. I actually turned around and see who else came in the room. And there was nobody but me and Ruth. And I said, you talking to me? He said, yes, I'm talking to you. 
I said, you've been wanting to meet me for a long time. I said, that's what I was about to tell you. And he said, I heard that you heard the call to preach watching me on television when you were a young boy. And I told Evelyn, after watching you preach yesterday on Kenneth Copeland's broadcast, it's time for me to begin a relationship with this young man. That's how it all began. And he, he said, come here. And I walked up to him. I didn't know how close I was supposed to get to him. And he said, come closer. I kept coming close. Finally, he put his arms around me, just embraced me and began to prophesy over me. And then he said, come in my office. I'm thinking, okay, the lawyers are in there. This is where I get sued, you know. But there was nobody in there but your dad. He sat down next to me on the sofa there, and he said, I just want you to know, I have never heard anybody preach that message better than you did, except myself. <laughs> but I just wanted you to know how much it blessed me. And I told Evelyn, it's time for us to begin a relationship with this young man. That's how it all started. Well, that began a tremendous relationship uh, between the Savells and the Robertses because yes. it wasn't long after that that, that I met you. And yes. uh, Lindsay and I became very close to you and Carolyn. You came on as a member of our board. That's and right. we got involved in projects together. Uh, we took some trips together. And yep. uh, I, at that time, you had me come down and teach in the Bible school you had at that point. Mm -hmm. And we were together in other ministers' meetings, and we developed a very strong friendship over the years. Jerry, yes. what is the Lord saying to you today? I know you've released a new book uh, this past year on supernatural increase right yes. in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, what do you think the Lord is saying uh, in this hour to you for people to hear to help them get into a position to receive the healing and the deliverance that they really need? Well, first of all, I would say to people, uh, turn off the television set, you know, especially listening to all the news media. You know, faith does not come by hearing CNN. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Yes. And hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And uh, with all the trouble that our nation and the world has been through since March of this year, with the pandemic and all that kind of thing and, and uh, all the challenges that, that we've experienced, uh, people getting laid off from their jobs, people using all their uh, hard-earned savings just to exist. Uh, when the Lord said to me that I am going to bring supernatural increase beyond anything you've ever experienced before, in the natural, that sounded so far-fetched. But if you look at the Bible, you'll find out that most of the time when God says something like that, it's when his people are going through the worst of times. Yes. God is not moved by what moves his people sometimes. Yes. Uh, God calleth things that be not as though they were. And even in a pandemic, now I want to I give this testimony to the Lord because in 2020, which we are about to close out and enter into 2021. It has been, Richard, my finest year of the ministry that I've ever experienced. Praise it God. It has been a year of supernatural increase. Some of, the, some of the things that I have been believing God for for 20 years have manifested this year. And now I hear the Lord saying, I recently heard the Spirit of God saying, and now get ready for 2021 because it's going to be a year of abundant overflow, abundant overflow. And I am preaching that everywhere I go. I'm experiencing it. And I want to challenge 
the people that are watching this broadcast today, watching this program today, don't allow what the media says to be final authority in your life. Allow what the Word of God says to be final authority. You know, one of the great examples of this is, is found in the ministry of Jesus, where he, uh, the centurion, Roman centurion, came to him and said, uh, you know, he had a servant that was dying. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, sir, you don't have to come to my house. And he said, uh, I, I'm a man of authority. I have authority and I recognize authority. And he said, you speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. What he's saying is, I recognize your authority. And all I need is for you to say the words because your words carry authority. In other words, what he was saying was, I am making your word final authority. That's mm -hmm. all I need. Well, that's what the body of Christ needs to do right now is make God's word final authority. And the Bible says, and, and, and I first discovered this verse when I was a young man. Now, I'm, I'm rapidly approaching 74 in just a few days. But when I was a young man, I found this verse in Psalms, and it says that uh, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I found this verse also. It, it talks about how that God, uh, if you seek the Lord, he will not prevent you from having every good thing. And so I learned those things. And then David also said, I once was young. Now am I old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I started saying that when I was a young man. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not an old man. I'm an older man, yes. but I'm still saying after all these years, I once was young. Now I'm older, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So I'm trusting God to do what he says he's going to do. No matter what happens around us, no matter who's in office as president, no matter who's running the country, my Bible says this gospel shall be preached to the world yes. and then the end will come. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to keep preaching the word of faith. I'm going to keep believing God and I'm going to continue to make God's word final authority. And I believe that he's going to remain just as faithful to me and anybody else that would do the same as he's always been. Praise God. Sherry, if someone wanted to get your book, Supernatural Increase, how would they go about it? They can just contact our ministry, uh, uh, org, and uh, they can log on to our website. Uh, it's, it's entitled The Principles of Supernatural Increase. And I, I, I go through that book uh, talking about the fact that we have a covenant of increase. You know, when God made uh, a covenant with Abraham, when he said these words, I will bless thee, mm -hmm. that word bless means to empower, to prosper, to empower, to increase. It is a covenant of increase. And, and you can see this because those words are found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. When God said, I will bless thee, I will empower you to increase. By Genesis chapter 13, it's already happening. The Bible says Abraham became wealthy. He became rich in cattle, in sheep, in gold, in silver. That covenant of increase was already working. But here's the beautiful part. It didn't end with Abraham. God promised, and this goes for your seed in their generation. That's well, the, the apostle next. Paul tells us uh, that we're the seed of Abraham 
in our generation. So that same covenant of increase that was on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and right on down the line, it's now on Jerry Savelle, Richard Roberts, and any member of the body of Christ. You have a covenant of increase. We've just got to believe it, Jerry. to learn how to appropriate it. We've just got to believe it, Jerry. That's right. Well, I'm one that believes it. And praise God, God has honored it, and he will continue to do so. Now, uh, one of the things I I wrote down before coming on your your program today, and I wanted to be sure to, uh, if I had the opportunity to say this, it's one thing to know that you have a covenant of increase. But it's another thing to know how to apply the principles that will release that increase. Now, I'm going to say that again. It's one thing to know that you have a covenant of increase, but you must also know how to apply the principles that will release the increase that your covenant provides. All right. How does a person do that coming now into 2021? I I was hoping you'd ask. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. If you don't mind, I'd like to read it for sure. everybody that is, is watching today. And once again, I learned so much of this from your father. And uh, I thank God that I learned it way back there because it has certainly worked for me all these years. Proverbs 11, and I'll get there in my Bible soon. And verse 24 and 25. Now, once again, let me repeat the statement. It's one thing to know that you have a covenant of increase but you must also know how to apply the principles that will release the increase that your covenant provides. And here is the primary, I call it the, uh, the, 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 the granddaddy of all principles. Okay? okay. Verse 24, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, And there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And the word fat here in the little Hebrew means prosperous. And liberal means generous. Yes, generous. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So that is the primary principle for releasing uh, that covenant of increase in your life. Now, remember God said to Abraham, I will bless thee, but he didn't end there. And thou shalt be a blessing. So notice he's saying, here's your covenant of increase, but here's how you release increase. Be a blessing. In other words, scatter seed. Look for, opportun- look for opportunities to sow seed. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 6 that we are, are to look for opportunities to be a blessing to all men, but especially under those of the household of faith. So I like to say it this way. Continual sowing, not sporadic sowing, not occasional sowing, not when some preacher, you know, talks you into it, But if it becomes a lifestyle, uh, consistent sowing is your supernatural increase connector. You know, if you look in the dictionary for the word connector, it'll give you an illustration. And one of the illustrations I found was this. It said uh, he didn't have the amplifier connected to the speakers. Well, the, con- the, the results is you don't get any sound. Right. If you don't hook up the amplifier to the speakers, you're not going to get sound. If you are not a consistent sower, then you're not connected to supernatural increase. That's the increase connector, consistent sowing. Well, I've practiced that all my life. Uh, Carol and I, praise God, we believe God 
way back there a long, long time ago to be debt-free, not only personally, but to be debt-free in our ministry and our offices all over the world. And we are, praise God. And so now I like to, I like to say this to the glory of God because he's the reason why. My greatest household expense is my sewing. Not a note on the house, not a note on the car. My greatest outgo of my income is my sewing. I am a consistent sower, and I believe that's why I consistently experience supernatural increase. So I just want to leave that with everybody that's watching. Supernatural increase belongs to you. You have a covenant of increase. But it's one thing to know you have a covenant of increase, but are you applying the principles that will release that increase? And the number one principle that releases supernatural increase in your life is consistent sowing. And that's what this book is all about. The principles of supernatural increase. Well, I promise you this book will be a blessing in your life. And I strongly suggest you go online and order it today. Uh, Jerry, before we uh, conclude here, would you pray over people? And as you receive his prayer today, just allow your faith to move. Because when he prays, there's not only an anointing on his life, but that power and presence is going to come towards you. So just be in a, in a position to receive Jerry's prayers as he prays right now. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over everyone who is viewing this program today. And Lord, I realize there are people that are hurting. There are people that are suffering. There are people that are, that are uh, at, the, at the point of, of not knowing where their next meal is coming from, where their next paycheck's coming from. And I understand that things may be difficult, but God, God, you have made provision. You're our source of supply. The Apostle Paul tells us, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I speak that promise over everyone who is watching this program today. Lord, manifest your favor in their behalf. Cause your blessing to abound in their life. Make, as you said in your word in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, the head and not the tail above and not beneath. And Lord, the seed that they've already sown, I pray in Jesus' name that the harvest from that seed is going to manifest and come into their lives, come into their hands quickly. And so I believe in Jesus' name right now that financial miracles, financial breakthroughs are being released from heaven and the people are receiving them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on this podcast today. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for being my friend. I will always be your friend, Richard. I love you very much, you and Lindsay. And uh, I count it a great honor to be divinely linked to the Roberts family. Well, I count it a, a high honor to be linked with the Savelle family. God bless you and Carolyn and all the Savelle family. Thank you so much for being with us today. And my, my dear friend, you can always contact the Oral Roberts Ministry online, oralroberts.com. If you need special prayer, oralroberts.com slash prayer. Or you can call the Abundant Life Prayer Group. The Abundant Life Prayer Group was established back in 1958. We've received some 25 million telephone calls. We're ready to pray over you, night or day. So call 918-495-7777. Father, I set my faith now in agreement 
with all that Jerry has said today, I pray now in the name of Jesus over everyone watching this podcast. My friend, there is no distance in prayer. Jerry mentioned that a moment ago when he talked about the Roman centurion who said, it's not necessary for you, Jesus, to come to my home and to pray for my military aid. But instead, you just speak the word right where you are and my military aid will be healed. And so I speak the word. I send the word to you in the name of Jesus. I pray for healing in every area of your life from the crown of your head, even unto the soles of your feet. And I say to the devil, you take your hands off of God's property. And I believe God with you, my friend, for a miracle in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Remember, you can always contact the Oral Roberts Ministry online or oralroberts.com slash prayer or call the Abundant Life Prayer Group at 918-495-7777. I'll be back next week with another very, very special guest. God bless you and I expect to see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Expect a Miracle podcast with Richard Roberts. Remember, anytime you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Go to oralroberts.com slash prayer or call the prayer group at 918-495-7777. We believe God wants you healed and whole in all areas of your life. 